Welcome back, Poison Pals, to another episode with your hosts, Harini Bot and Megan Gesner. It's almost the end of the year, and uh, we almost have had both of our birthdays. We love this Christmas holiday season. Yeah, I'm just excited. Uh, this is a yes. quick, quick turnaround of a podcast. Um, so, you know, Megan, like everyone bow down to Megan. She freaking got it done, nailed it in the bag. Well, I should speak so soon. Let's give our yeah, judgment. We'll see how it that. goes <laughs> after this. But basically, um, after Thanksgiving holiday, we were kind of like uh, our schedule became like really uncertain, and so mm-hmm. um, you know we did a, a recording with Brayden, and then actually uh, like it, internally it was my understanding like okay we'll do our recording with Brayden, and then we mm-hmm. have this other episode planned uh, a week from now, and then Harini yeah. texts me as of yesterday from this recording was like <laughs> hey let's get one more in with just us two before like the holidays come around. Cause we'll probably take a break when yeah. we record, you know, for the holidays. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, Oh my gosh, I have less than 24 hours <laughs> Truly. to get this podcast together. Um, that being said, I think I'm going to do good. <laughs> I I'm I'm, no, I have fine. no doubts. I have no <laughs> doubts. I felt bad. Like, like I had been thinking about that for a while. I was like, Oh wait, we should probably just do one us, just us two before we start before we end rather for the year. But that would fall on Megan's turn. I'm like, ah, oh, crap. But I know <laughs> Megan's got it. Megan's got it. But well, what really quick before we get to the actual episode, cause we're going to mm-hmm. keep it short and tight for this episode. But I really mm-hmm. just want to say boys and pals, if you have not listened to episode 51, Brayden is on our pod and discussing his own personal story. I highly recommend you listen to it. I think out of all the podcast recordings we've done, that's definitely mm-hmm. in my like top two. Yeah. And uh, the only reason I'm not saying top one is because of Kim Jong-un. <laughs> <laughs> that is always going to be a personal that, fan favorite. I, of my sure. I, I think that our conversation around burn pits, uh, the first episode where we covered it and then having mm-hmm. Braden come on to tell his story. I think it's special to us because I think it's the first time in this podcast. We've legitimately kind of put our energy towards something that mm-hmm. like we feel that w- by telling the story, we can make a difference. Um, I think that's what most people who do podcasts kind of aspire to do at some mm-hmm. point. So it just took us a while to get there. But like, yeah, I guess that's our um, like what we're passionate about in terms of um, changing lives. I was just going to say, reiterating what Harini said, please go and listen to uh, episode 51, which is Brayden's episode. But I want to thank Megan as well for bringing this to all of our attentions. She's always like got her pulse on the news and what's happening. So I really appreciate her bringing that to the pod. And Brayden, it was so lovely having you on. I already texted him this personally, but I genuinely like I don't say things just to say things. Megan knows this. So when I texted him, I was like very full heart. I even texted Megan. I was like, that was very special, not only from what he shared, but also just hanging out with Brayden. He is our editor, but also just to like get to know him more as a person. He's so lovely. And uh, I really enjoyed Mm -hmm. recording with him. Absolutely. Absolutely. On that so, note. Thank you for that, Harini. On that yeah. note, and speaking about myself having my finger <laughs> on the pulse of the news. Oh, yeah. <laughs> let's get into our topic of the day. I was inspired to focus on this poison mm-hmm. uh, because it had been something that popped up locally in San Diego. So this is a very oh, specific, cool. like, I guess it'll, it'll go broad at some point. But mm. I wanted to do some research into the fentanyl 
poisonings that have been happening yeah. in San Diego. And yep. why this is special is not the right word, but why I have a maybe a heightened interest is because I live in a beach community called Ocean Beach that was highly impacted by fentanyl mm. poisonings um, back in 2018. So I was just going to share a little bit of like my background and my sure. very distanced relationship with fentanyl. Fentanyl has not directly impacted my life or my peers around me, but I've mm-hmm. I've socialized with folks who have had that. So to like a second or third degree, sure. I've heard stories, you know, anecdotes mm-hmm. about people mm-hmm. um, overdosing on fentanyl. Right. Um, and then, so I'm going to talk about that a little bit. And then I'm going to talk about fentanyl. I think most people who understand opioids know will know how fentanyl works but i think it's just like a good little educated educative piece um and then i'm gonna uh share a little bit more about um what's been happening in the news locally in san diego around fentanyl awesome. and i just think it's really interesting so this is i'm um, excited you're bringing this up yeah did cool. you did you by chance when you were on your um poison control rotation did they talk about fentanyl in san diego uh not specifically on the poison control rotation is it's just like actually a very big topic in pharmacy mm-hmm. in general like from right. the beginning of you starting out as a student to like you actually working i'm gonna share a personal not a personal anecdote but mm-hmm. uh, at one of our pharmacies here in actually it was in san diego it was at mm. um the point loma pharmacy that i worked at over the summer one of the patients there picked up fentanyl and tbd i will tell you later mm. okay 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 yeah, yeah yeah we can throw that in when we start talking about um, sure all the san diego related stuff Okay, so I'm going to start with my proximity to fentanyl. Mm. So I think I'm going to actually, I'm going to go back to days at UCSD because okay. I like to, I like, it's like there's the whiteboard with the red strings yeah. and I'm connecting all the dots. And this is what we're doing. <laughs> so I often think of cocaine laced with fentanyl related deaths because mm, that is mm-hmm. typically um, how overdoses have happened in San Diego. I'm thinking about UCSD because in my whole life in general, up to my senior year of college, I had never been around a person or individuals who were regular cocaine users or cocaine users in general. Um, Same, yeah. Lived a very sheltered life. And I think <laughs> sheltered, I mean, to me, this is like a positive use of the word sheltered. But I'm right. not also, also, I don't want to like shame anyone who, who uses cocaine. It is what it is. Like, I just had a upbringing that like was very no drugs no drinking blah 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 blah. yeah so my peers obviously were the same but Mm -hmm. at UCSD my senior year I worked for the maintenance crew as a as a student worker for their um, arena and I was Mm -hmm. hanging out with some of the guys in the maintenance crew so they're not my direct friends but they're like my co-workers so they slowly become my friends but they were the first people to casually talk about like their cocaine use and that was like a that was like a whoa moment for me right as me (laughs) in my upbringing cocaine is something that was viewed as like what are you doing? You know, like that's, yeah. that's my reality up until that point. And I obviously saw these people as like, you know, they're great people. They're intelligent going to UCSD, whatever, blah, blah. blah. So that was my first moment of realizing <laughs> like cocaine, using cocaine does not mean you are like, uh, indicates lesser intelligence or whatever. Remember, no drug is a, is good or bad. Drugs are neutral things like there should be no moral whatever placed on drugs they're inanimate objects so that was my first moment like that 
fast forward to after graduating my you know senior year, I moved outside of the La Jolla area into a town called Ocean Beach. Um, and this was when I... Ocean Beach was the first time I was in the same room <laughs> as cocaine, okay. which at, yeah. for me was still kind of like a, whoa, like what is happening? But you know, like I ultimately am someone who's like, it's cool. It was my roommate who's had friends coming over. And I already knew, like I had lived with this roommate long enough at this Ocean Beach house to recognize this person has a very different life from me and probably is very comfortable with certain drugs that I'm just not, you know, I I don't use, mm-hmm. but I'm not going to stand in her way to be like, no, don't have this in the house, blah, blah, blah. Like this house is as much as hers. And as far as I was concerned, she never like whatever she used, alcohol, drugs, whatever, it never negatively interfered with my life mm-hmm. and my um, living situation. So like, it didn't bother me. But the first time that I was ever in the same room with like a dime bag <laughs> was at that Ocean Beach house. Harini, that I think you remember is that bungalow. Yeah, for the um, 90s party. And it, yeah, for the <laughs> 90s party. And it was actually really sweet of my roommate because I think she knew where I was in terms of my like, understanding drugs journey and she even before her friends ever came over she like came so shy and timidly into my room with like a soft knock at the door yeah and she's like hey um i'm gonna have some friends over and they're really interested in doing cocaine tonight is that okay it like does that bother you and yeah. i was like don't worry about <laughs> it it's fine whatever and then i remember kind of like they came over yeah lovely people of course and we're all just sitting in a circle and I'm just socializing because like they obviously were fine with me mm-hmm. being someone who lived in the house to just hang out and then I could tell they were all kind of like timidly like anxiously waiting to break out that dime bag <laughs> and then they finally did and I was like yeah, like whatever like it doesn't matter right. and then they did it and I kind of like lingered just to observe the environment but it was nothing dramatic mm-hmm. they just seemed more talkative yeah. right so that was my I think I was freshly 21 um oh, wow. and had no experience around like what cocaine yeah. and cocaine use looks use looks like besides what you see on television mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so it was a very big education for me of like okay like it depends on the person like no one's going crazy right or whatever no just one's bouncing chatted. off the walls <laughs> right they just chatted together yeah so that was 2017 2018 i think i was still living in that house and i had heard via the news and kind of just like conversations around the na- the the neighborhood. I had multiple friends who lived in Ocean Beach at that time. Mm-hmm. Um, even an ex of mine, he and his roommates used cocaine pretty regularly. That, that was like my second introduction to it. And I guess that is all to say like never in my life did I ever expect to be around people who use cocaine so regularly. I think that's something you learn as an adult mm-hmm. that it's just very easy to attain. Right. And that is just very normalized depending on who you're hanging out with. Again, not sure if that's a good or bad thing. I think it's very neutral. But so that was 2017. And then 2018 came around. And be- through those channels of friends, I had heard about these fentanyl poisonings. Mm-hmm. And some friends had concerns of like, dude, did you hear? It was like three people in Pacific Beach and like a couple people in Ocean Beach had all overdosed. Mm. And like a couple of them had died. For me, I was intrigued by it, but didn't really think about it too much because I wasn't actually using cocaine and like I had no interest in it. Yeah. But on some level, I was like, 
it definitely was interesting to be like, okay, my friends who use cocaine are talking about those incidences, hmm. but are still using cocaine. That is you interesting. Know? And that was really fascinating. Yeah. That's always interesting to see because like they're clearly aware mm-hmm. of the risk that they're taking because I think this was this was something that was happening. There was maybe multiple dealers in the area who were um, slugging some cut cocaine, like fentanyl cut cocaine. Yikes. And I was just like, that's interesting that you're still willing to take that <laughs> risk. But they did. And wow. it is what it is. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. So fast forward to, I think, 2019. I was hanging out with a new group, newer group of friends. You know, I'm meeting uh, new people. And um, one of my gal pals, she became very quickly intertwined with kind of like the raver scene, party scene, influencer mm-hmm. folks sure. in Ocean Beach and San Diego area. And I went to a literal like beach house party mm-hmm. and the beach house was currently being rented by someone who sold drugs. That was like, she knew those people at that party. One of the girls at the party, my friend who invited me, she even leaned into me and she was like, oh, you know, this girl, she actually overdosed from like bad cocaine what? a couple years back. Oh. And I immediately thought about those poisonings in 2018. Right. I was like, dude, like, was she one of those people? Wow. And it was, again, just fascinating to me to be at a party hosted by a dealer. Mm-hmm. And then this girl who had overdosed, who's still there. And something that I am learning is as, as much as that's fascinating, I don't want to place judgment on that girl who still ended up coming and all that. Like, there's something about if you're like, why are you here at this party? If you overdose, blah, blah, mm-hmm. that's stigmatizing and uh, causing more harm in terms of you're not dealing with your issue, your addiction or whatever. Right. Like, it's a lot more nuanced than that. But I mean, I couldn't help but feel like that's really interesting to see you, to see someone be willing to go to a environment that could trigger something, mm-hmm. you know, for them to want to use again. But, I, you know, I don't ultimately know enough about addiction, but that's just my observance. Mm-hmm. Also, it's interesting to know that because, I, I mean, I don't really I know what you're talking about, about the 2018, like the fentanyl poisonings. But whenever I hear fentanyl poisonings, I don't hear about survivors. Usually it's pretty lethal. <laughs> like So for you to say that she did overdose, well, I don't know if she overdosed on fentanyl or whether it was cocaine or was laced with fentanyl, but if that was the case and she survived, like that's extremely rare. Um, and that even puts a further curiosity in my mind of like, wow, like she's still reentering the scene, whether or not she actually was doing drugs and was just like, you know, with friends, maybe she wasn't even doing anything. But still, as you said, the temptation is all around her. Uh, so that's curious. Right, right. Okay, so... I am going to say something that's going to contradict what you just okay. said. Okay. But I mean, you can tell me if you've heard differently in your studies in pharmacy school and as a pharmacist. Mm. But one of my sources, which I will list my sources <laughs> right after this, um, one of my sources did state that actually the dangers around fentanyl and overdosing and the fentanyl and the fentanyl epidemic across the country Mm. you know nationally and how overdoses are ultimately increasing from heroin laced fentanyl and other like prescription drugs that are laced with fentanyl Mm -hmm. the dangers about it is that it's very common to overdose Mm -hmm. but 98 percent of the time most overdose cases are revived through Mm. naloxone. naloxone yeah but what but they say that it's 
the second time they overdose that has high morbidity mm, because naloxone and I was going to go into this when we hit antidote, but yeah. naloxone, it's just basically a revival medication mm-hmm. for when you pass out. I'll go into that more later. Yeah. But the, yeah, yeah. the concept of naloxone isn't therapy. It's not something no. that can break addiction. Mm-hmm. It just literally stops you from dying. Yeah. And so, so there's truth in what you said, but also it's like for first time folks who overdose, it's very... I'm understanding it's rare for them to actually die. I did not know um, that. If That's they get help on time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If they get help on time. Yeah. Okay. So my sources today are the Journal of Neuropharmacology, NIH's National Institute on Drug Abuse, Department of Justice, U.S. Attorney's Office of Southern District of California, <laughs> the Journal of Pain, DEA.gov, the CDC, European Monitoring Center for Drugs and Drug Addiction, the San Diego Union Tribune, Alcohol and Drug Foundation, Alabama BioClean, the National Harm Reduction Coalition, Skylab.gov, and Drugs.com. Lovely. <laughs> Most folks know the commercial name as Narcan mm-hmm. and Cloxado. I don't. There's another version. I haven't heard of that. I just know of Naloxone and Narcan. That might be like another brand name. Or it could be even like a brand name, like an international brand name. I just saw that there's two different brand names for naloxone, which is Narcan, which is what Mm -hmm. we most commonly hear, and Cloxado. Cloxado. K-L-O-X-X-A-D-O. What a name. All right. So that is... Okay, almost almost done with this part. So that was 2019. So I had heard the word fentanyl again there, and I had essentially met someone by the second degree that Mm. potentially had overdosed right. from um you know her her cocaine being laced with fentanyl fast forward to this year i had friends who had purchased you know ecstasy pills so ecstasy pills are packed or whatever and they had purchased mdma and if you if you know much about party drugs oftentimes it's the misconception that ecstasy pills have a higher threat of being laced with something sketchy because ecstasy pills are often cut with it's MDMA mixed with cocaine or it's mm-hmm. or it could be cut with baking powder or it could be cut with fentanyl and so that's the concern around ecstasy pills. A lot of people think that MDMA in crystal form is safe because it's in crystal form, mm-hmm. but that's not the case. That's a misconception. MDMA the the difference ultimately MDMA also known as Molly Most people are like, oh, it's pure because it's not cut with cocaine, like ecstasy is. But still, even if it's in crystal form, it could still be laced with fentanyl. And so I had a friend who had bought both, and she and her boyfriend had done the MDMA together. Mm -hmm. But the boyfriend was like, hey, I'm hesitant to do the ecstasy because I have a lot of friends who have been overdosing, or I've heard from, you know, third degree encounters or anecdotes that people are taking ecstasy and they're laced with fentanyl and they're overdosing. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. she ended up not doing the ecstasy at all. But the reality is the MDMA just as likely could have been laced with fentanyl. Hmm. So that was just like all these stories that I heard about fentanyl and knowing that it was a problem in San Diego. Right. So that's why I wanted to talk about it today. Yep. So let's talk about what the heck fentanyl (laughs) even is. Ooh, actually, one more, one more little anecdote. Yeah, yeah. So, actually, one of my roommates had collapsed this mm. year. I think sometime in the summer, she was experiencing some severe, severe uh, lower abdominal pain. 
she had called me to come get her and bring her to the emergency room. But by the time I showed up, um, firefighters were already on their oh, way. Wow. I think her boyfriend reached out to firefighters to like, and when I, when I found her, she was on the floor. And so it was like, clearly whatever the pain was, it was super significant right. that she like had fallen to the ground, mm-hmm. but she was conscious mm-hmm. when the firefighters showed up, they had offered her several different painkillers. Hmm. One of them being fentanyl. Wow. And okay. As a side note, one of the firefighters was like, weirdly jokey about the whole situation really? like i think he was trying to alleviate the seriousness sure like, you know she's on the ground doesn't she doesn't know what's happening it's probably really scary but he was like a little bit too making too many jokes and i was like that it just doesn't feel appropriate man like he was being too friendly huh but you know i think i think his heart was in a good place it just felt weird right but then he was the one who offered the fentanyl and she pretty much rejected she was yeah. like no i have no interest in that which I understood there was a part in my brain that did think, man, if there is one time to try fentanyl. Right. <laughs> Dude. Was, right. Just to, well, get the, to see. Yeah. Well, I was going to ask, was it a yeah. firefighter or like a paramedic? It was a firefighter as they were waiting for the paramedics. To wow. Show okay. That's so they, they have that ability. Yeah. Interesting. They have that ability to prescribe um, painkillers hmm. while they wait for help to come. Yeah. So then she didn't. She rejected it. And then the firefighter who was like jokey and offered it was like, he tried to like make it clear. Like, it wouldn't be something that will knock you out. You know, like it's, yeah. it's going to be the most minuscule of dosages. It might just be, take the edge like, off. a patch patch form. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, that was pretty much it. That was, that was the other, um, you know, mention of fentanyl so that like piqued my interest. Wow. They're um, carrying some good stuff with them on the road. So that was my that last one. Okay. <laughs> Going into... Should I tell my anecdote now uh, before we go into it or should I yeah, wait? Yeah, yeah, go into it. No, 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 say it, say it. Okay, okay. Well, I, I think Megan's going to probably go into this in terms of maybe prescription form fentanyl, but the way I typically know fentanyl is obviously a prescription form. Like Megan alluded to, it comes in patches typically. If there are people, usually like cancer patients who are in hospice, meaning they're stage four, they're terminal, and you're just trying to like make them comfortable. You can get fentanyl lollipops because it's hard to like swallow pills at that point. Maybe they don't want patches on them. But anyway, so at the pharmacy I was working at, which is like a nice area, one of the patients came in. I don't know his status um, or what was going on with him, but he essentially picked up fentanyl. But when you get it as a prescription, it comes in three patches. And there's a lot of instructions that come with it it is easier to overdose as megan said so you can only put on one patch at a time and you have to make sure that you don't keep it on for longer than 72 72 hours and when you take it off there's a very specific way that you dispose of it because even after it's all done technically what happens is it just essentially immerses into your skin and it deposits into your bloodstream. There still is going to be a little bit of residue left in that patch and you can still get high off of the used patch. Anyways, so this person put on all three patches at the same time and died within the hour. Just like fell asleep, pretty much went into a coma, fell asleep, their heart just stopped. Don't put on all three, not even all two at the same time. Just do it one at a time because it's very very strong that's my anecdote yeah and so you had said you didn't really know their status like no but we don't know if it was it obviously it was misuse but we don't know if there is a history of him 
having a prescription filled for fentanyl, you know, over a long period of time. You know what I mean? Right, right. I don't know, and I don't want to speculate yeah. around it. Like right. I, I remember right. I did know at one point, but now it's been mm-hmm. so many years that I can't really remember right. specifically. But yeah. yeah, I do know he. This was not the first time he picked up fentanyl. Um, mm. I think it was a situation where he may have wanted to end his life, or he wasn't happy mm. with his current mm. situation, or he was in so much pain that he just like right. was done, right? Something like that. But I can't remember yeah. exactly. Yeah. Wow. That is. It's uh, really sad. But I'm, again, really we can't fully fully speculate if it was no. intentional misuse or just accidental. Right. That being said, yeah, let's talk about its pharmacology, its method of action, mm-hmm. essentially. Yeah. Um, okay. So, what is fentanyl? Fentanyl is a analgesic and acts predominantly on the mu opioid receptors in mm-hmm. your nervous system. So what that means is that it inhibits the pathways in your central nervous system to increase your pain threshold. And it does this by ultimately changing your perception of pain. And so when it acts on those mu opioid receptors, it's a mu receptor agonist. And for context or for perspective, fentanyl binds 50 to 100 times more potently than morphine. So if you ever see Mm -hmm. somewhere on like the CDC site where it says fentanyl is 50 to 100 times more potent than morphine, that's what it means. It just means that it's it's an agonizer on the mu receptors a lot more efficiently than morphine is in even heroin. So what this pretty much means... And Harini, you're the pharmacist, so you can like yeah, yeah. I'm I'm ready to help, help you speed out. Up my, speed sure. up my description. Yeah, I mean, there's really no magic behind it besides what you already said. So your opioid receptors are also known as the mu receptors, mu opioid receptors. And Megan explained it perfectly. They agonize it. So your mu receptors help with your pain and help dampen the pain as well. So. You can look at it either way, like either like increases your pain threshold or it helps, you know, relieve the pain that you're experiencing through that. So with the opioid agonist, it's increasing those mu receptors or increasing the activity of those mu receptors that really help combat the pain that you're experiencing from your central nervous system. As Megan said, morphine, like all the other opioids, they're really great fast acting and strong relieving, but fentanyl packs a punch, like way more of a punch than the traditional opioid. And I want to make it clear that fentanyl is a different type of opioid altogether. It's like its own class compared to all the other, like morphine, hydrocodone, norco, like all those kind of stuff. I guess it's a fun fact, but there are a lot of people who don't respond well to traditional opioids. There's a genetic modification in your system that you don't respond as well. Like my sister-in-law, she doesn't respond well to opioids, like traditional opioids. So in that case, fentanyl is a great option because it doesn't work in the same way as traditional opioids. And nine times out of 10, fentanyl is a great pain relieving option for those types of patients. And it's also what you get as an epidural when you're giving birth. Yeah, I'm if trying to. I'm clear. trying to find. No, no, no yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to find the because I just I literally just read what class of opioids they're in. So fentanyl is in a class of synthetic opioids. It is not derived mm-hmm. from the correct the po- poppy seed essentially, like morphine and heroin ultimately comes from. That's essentially it, Megan. It's just synthetic. It's manufactured. It's not a natural deriving opioid from from nature. 
Correct. Which is why it's and, so freaking strong because <laughs> it's manufactured. Yeah. Right, right. And fun fact, it was actually, um, it was introduced almost 60 years ago by Paul Janssen, who is the founder of Janssen Pharmaceuticals, which is under Johnson mm-hmm. & Johnson. So that's like a fun, yep. like, ooh, uh, history there. But, and then it yep. was approved for medical use in 1968. So that's a little, that just shows that fentanyl is not something that's suddenly exploding onto the scene. It has mm-hmm. been in our medical history for a long time. It's just how it's now being used to cut the cost of drugs for the people who manufacture illicit drugs, essentially. Okay, so let's uh, let's talk about that. Why are drug distributors, illicit drug distributors, essentially, using fentanyl to, to cut their heroin product? Because it's most often found in heroin, but it is being seen in like ecstasy tablets, methamphetamines, MDMA, and a lot of party drugs um, are being cut with fentanyl. And so that's the concern here, at least in San Diego. Which I don't understand at all, because I'm like, it's like cutting copper with gold. Fentanyl is also (laughs) really hard to freaking get. And it's also very precious in terms of like how party drugs go, I guess. Right. So Harini, I had the same exact thought when I first thought about it. I was like, to me, my brain when I before researching anything was like, why would a drug manufacturer, like a drug dealer, manufacturer, whatever you want to call them, (laughs) cut their product with something that's even more amazing, essentially amazing in a sense Mm -hmm. of like it has a a stronger effect? What would be the Mm -hmm. purpose? Mm -hmm. Wouldn't that be more expensive? But actually, it's the opposite. Fentanyl, Hmm. as much more potent as it is than heroin, because of its efficacy, that makes it less expensive than actual heroin. And because it is synthesized, that adds to its inexpensiveness. So I'll... um, This is from... That makes sense. Oh, this is from a very interesting source. I thought this was really cool. So I'm going to read something from um, a source called Alabama BioClean. This is actually a company that specializes in biohazard cleanups including like homicides or overdoses and things like that so they had a whole page on fentanyl because i am assuming they have to deal with that cleanup all the time so so they wrote a little portion on why you see fentanyl popping up everywhere Hmm. um so they write as compared to heroin fentanyl is very inexpensive a kilo of heroin costs around fifty thousand dollars whereas a kilo of fentanyl only cost $3,000. Wow. Pill pressers substitute fentanyl in their pills and powders for more expensive drugs. The result? Mm. Drug users who think they are buying Xanax or Oxycontin are actually buying fentanyl-laced drugs. The problem Mm. is so widespread that drug dealers often don't know that they are selling drugs containing fentanyl. Yeah. So this is what I wanted to get at because I also wanted to use this episode as a PSA because... As you have heard clearly from my first 10 minutes of this episode, I have many peers who use illicit party drugs. Mm. It is part of the culture of at least where I'm at. You know, I can only speak for myself and my friends, but I know that in San Diego and closer to downtown and the beach communities, it's a huge part of the culture of people from their mid-20s to the mid-30s. In fact, the data on San Diego County's demographics of who's being impacted the most by drug overdoses, Mm -hmm. it's people from 30, ages 30 to 35. So it's a pretty young crowd and Mm -hmm. this crowd likes to go hard. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) 
that's fucked up i know but like so what i wanted to do was be like okay listen i recognize that you know just thinking about my own friends i could tell them about all this and you know be like listen there's a real problem here and i'll Mm -hmm. i'll I'll actually follow this with some like evidence of like the problem that is really impacting san diego right now Mm -hmm. i could tell them like hey listen i'm really concerned I, i you know i know you you and your group like to use cocaine or party drugs or whatever but just be careful like be careful because there is a problem with fentanyl being cut into things but i know for a fact that there is a shared persona in that group that's like oh it won't happen to me and therefore i will continue using right that's how it is for everybody i've been that way with totally different things of being like "Eh, it won't happen to me and then look Mm -hmm. i got rear-ended you know what i mean like right totally like that like literally so, every time I fly a plane, I'm like, I'm not going to crash. That won't happen to me. <laughs> well, it hasn't so far. So no, it hasn't. It, it has not. Yeah. But I'm just saying right. like, it, we all do it. We all do it. Right. There, what is that word? It's like a, it's like a, there's a, some sort of bias. A God uh, complex. Yeah. God complex. Right. <laughs> so so as much as I could tell people like, hey, there's a real problem happening. They're going to keep using. I just know that that's mm-hmm, like fact mm-hmm. of life. And I and I don't yeah. blame any one person for that. So as part of my PSA, all I wanted to say is like, listen, clearly from what the Alabama BioClean people are saying, the people that you're buying drugs from, directly from, they're not the ones manufacturing their goods. These drug dealers that you have like a good relationship with or whatever, who are supplying your ecstasy and MDMA, who you might have had them as your dealer for like two or three years, So you trust them, right? At the end of the day, if they're not testing the supply that they get in, there's no way for them to know if their stuff is good or not. There's no guarantee. Yeah. I want to remind people here. Drugs do not discriminate based on socioeconomic status. Demi Lovato and Prince both overdosed on fentanyl-laced opioids that they did Mm -hmm. not think had fentanyl in it. Right. Mm -hmm. That is how Prince died. And that's how Demi Lovato overdosed in 2018. So, wow. It was a 2018. Yeah. So like something was happening with fentanyl being pushed into, you -hmm. know, the heroin supply at some point um, in 2018. But that's why I'm trying to say, like, listen, yeah, you might have a good relationship with your dealer, but if they're not testing their shit, then it's up to you to test your shit. And again, don't fall for the myth that MDMA, because it's in crystal form, isn't cut with fentanyl. Just because it's crystal, like anything can be, it's a synthetic drug. It can be, anything can be made into a crystal form. Oh, yeah. Oh, so, yeah. If you know basic chemistry, you can make some crystals out of a liquid. Come on. Right. So that is all to say, if you're going to keep buying drugs, buy your testing strips. They exist. Do the due diligence. I think it's Love funny that. because there's there's some amazing stuff on Reddit. When you go into like festival Reddits and stuff like that tons of subreddits about hey i have testing strips ready at (laughs) what's that vegas one electric daisy carnival edc all that stuff like there's a really amazing responsible drug using community out there use them because i think they're on the same boat as me of like people aren't going to stop using drugs but be a responsible drug user absolutely and that's the thing it's like it's not just about you it's also about the people you're with I 100% agree with what Megan's saying. I think this is a great PSA to just have out there on the pod. If you're going to do drugs, like no one's going to stop you. 
We can tell you all day, hey, like here are the stats, here's the data, you should probably not do this. But at, at the end of the day, all of us, including me and Megan, we're always gonna do what we wanna do at the end of the day. If you want to engage in these party drugs, fine. But just be safe, you know, be safe about it, not just for yourself, but for your community around you. Get the Narcan, get the test strips and do it. There's no stigma around that. You're being smart. You're being smart about it and being safe about it. The other thing. okay, this is the one other thing in terms of my PSA of being a responsible drug user. Sure. This one's actually controversial. And this this slightly ties into the Demi Lovato thing. So I don't know if you recall, Harini, but when the initial reports of Demi Lovato overdosing came out. Mm. There were articles coming out that like allegedly her friends that she was partying with that night had Narcan on hand in case anything went bad. Do you remember that? Mm-hmm. No. Okay. That, that is something that I recalled and I actually looked into it for this research. Right. But every source mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. repeated that allegation were like shitty tabloids. So I was like, okay, that's already suspect. And then there was another source that I found. It was a, it was like a rehabilitation center that kind of like talked about her situation and how eventually she made a whole documentary about her experience. I don't know if you remember that. I never watched it. I think it was called Dancing with the Devil. I feel like I should watch it now. But this, this rehabilitation center, (laughs) this rehabilitation center ended up talking about her Dancing with the Devil documentary. And at no point did it ever mention that her friends gave her the Narcan. It was until she got to the hospital. I think tabloids kind of hung on to that idea because they're like, oh, they were they were preparing for something to go wrong. And that is assisting in like a drug abuse, essentially, to have a thing ready to wake someone up in case they overdose. So I think that was a sentiment that's where I'm going with my second part of this PSA is if you know you're going to be doing some illicit party drugs and maybe did not do your due diligence and to do to do drug testing, there is no harm, in my opinion, in my opinion, in purchasing naloxone ahead of time or Narcan ahead of time. It typically comes in the nasal nasal spray form. And from my understanding, it's like $20 over the counter, not over the counter, $20 from CVS that, that you can just buy. So that, that's my thoughts. Like if I were to be someone who frequented these scenes and was going to use these drugs, I'd be like, I'm going to buy myself a test kit and just in case have some Narcan on my, on my body. Cause you never know if you're going to save a life either. I just realized I had a have one more additional thing to this this PSA which is be aware that every state except for three those three being Texas Kansas and Wyoming every state except for those three have 911 good Samaritan laws in place and laws in place where it's okay for you to buy Narcan over-the-counter sort of thing. I forget what that law is called, but basically there's no, if you were to buy Narcan, um, you know, from a pharmacy, no one's going to be suspect to that. You are allowed to do that. So every state in the country has those two laws. 911 Good Samaritan or legislation, I don't know, law. What that means is if you or if you are in a situation where you are overdosing or you're witnessing someone overdose, if you call 911 or emergency services, you will not be subject to like any 
legal ramifications. But yes, basically, that just means if you're ever in a situation where you're like freaking out, like someone is overdosing and oh, fuck, like I took those drugs and other there's drugs in the room or what have you, you should be protected because you called emergency services. There's no legal ramifications. The only exceptions to that are if you are in possession of a a very large amount of drugs. I know that's not the most uh, proper way to say that, but I honestly think what that means is if you're someone who's like dealing and you have an abundance of that drug on you and then you call 911, you are going to be subject to some sort of legal ramification because you are going to be accountable in some way or suspect to being accountable in some way. So that's an exception to the Good Samaritan thing, which in my brain means to me, I'm like, there's a reason why there's this kind of like cliche of, oh, don't do drugs with your dealer. And in some way, I'm like, that's that's valid because if you do drugs with your dealer and you overdose and they don't, they have less incentive to help you because if they call 911, they're not going to be protected by the Good Samaritan Act. So I'm just putting that out there. <laughs> I'm just yeah, putting that out there. That's a good point. <laughs> that's a great point to put out there. Really quickly, just to go back to the Narcan, and it's it, like Megan's bringing up really great points all around. If you're gonna go do these things, just think of it. It's like it's like an EpiPen. Like you wouldn't go out and have shellfish when you know you're, you're allergic to shellfish without your EpiPen. It's not shameful. It's just like you know that there's this risk that you might be taking. It may or may not happen. But hey, I'm just gonna have this device with me just in case that I know will save my life or save somebody else's life. And along those lines, what you know, in this same realm, sometimes you might be shooting these drugs up and you need needles. Two birds, one scone in a way, but you can also get needles from your local pharmacy and they will not impose any judgment or call anybody or anything like that. They are legally required by law if you tell them, you know, hello, I use these types of drugs that I shoot up. I would like some clean needles so I don't have to share and get hep C they are legally required to give you as many needles as you wish. Yeah. The reason really why this important. even exists is because exactly what Megan said, they try to stop people initially from doing these illicit drugs or shooting up, and it just doesn't happen. They'll find other ways, and they're usually not safe ways to use the drugs and acquire the drugs. So they're just kind of like, hey, we can't stop them, but we can at least help them do it safely and avoid a whole public health issue by giving them clean needles and also a safe way to dispose of them. They'll have a little area where you can also dispose of your needles safely. That's really, really good to know. Wow, I'm learning. (laughs) So am I. Real quick, I had mentioned that Texas, Kansas, and Wyoming are the three states that don't have these particular protections. They specifically don't have the 911 Good Samaritan protections, as far as I'm concerned. They do have the naloxone protection, which is like you can buy it at the pharmacy and they will give it to you. Like they're not going to Mm -hmm. place judgment there, whatever. So that is that. Um, I'm going to end it on just some really interesting stuff that had happened in San Diego uh, when these fentanyl outbreaks were happening. And then that's Mm -hmm, pretty much mm -hmm. it. I'll wrap it from there. Lovely. So this is, I guess I'll start my timeline all the way back to 2018. Okay. So what I'm about to read are, these are all published on the United States Attorney's Office, Southern District of California website. It's like the Department of Justice website specific for 
San Diego. These were mm-hmm. all published in the last couple months. Uh, actually, one wow. of them was published in December, but for events mm. that occurred a couple years back. So I'll just go through okay. that. All right. So this first one, first one goes, San Diego man sentenced to 156 months custody in fentanyl overdose death. 156 months. <laughs> that and I was like, that equals 13, 13 years of wow. jail time. This one reads, Tony Davis was sentenced today in federal court by U.S. District Judge Kathy Ann Bensivango to 13 years custody. 13 years custody for supplying the heroin and fentanyl that led to the fatal overdose of a 41-year-old San Diego woman on October 24th, mm. 2018. Um, mm. According to his plea agreement, Davis agreed to sell more than 100 grams of what he knew to be heroin in the fall of 2018. Oof. And on October 24th, 2018, he distributed heroin and fentanyl to another street-level drug dealer who in turn distributed mm. the drugs that caused the victim's death. So I, I like to read these things because i'm like i'm thinking of of that quote other street level drug dealer who probably like had no business or wasn't wasn't involved in anything that had to do with fentanyl they were just passing it along unknowingly so that's why i'm like at the end of the day test your own shit like even if your direct dealer is like oh yeah i tested my stuff it's clean i don't know just do another test It, it doesn't hurt right DEA Narcotic Task Force Team 10 led the investigation in this case. Team 10 is a specialty unit with investigators from HSI, FBI, San Diego Police Department, California Department of Healthcare Services, and the San Diego District Attorney's Office that investigates overdose deaths in San Diego. Dream team. I know, like a very hefty (laughs) team. Team 10. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, uh, Team 10. I can't imagine what Team 11 is all about. I know. <laughs> Who else is added into Team 11? That's like right. superpower. Um, uh, <laughs> this is a quote. It says, as fentanyl continues to cut its devastating path in our community, we are committed to taking action to stop those who peddle this poison, said acting U.S. attorney Randy mm. Grossman. So I had to put that in there because I said poison because, course, you know, it, it, it kind of is. It is <laughs> poison. Yeah, it is poison. So that was just one person. Again, the man's name was Tony Davis. That's the person who was sentenced to 13 years of custody, who was involved in someone's overdose back in 2018. This is a different situation, different person. Okay. This is titled, again, from the Department of Justice website, distributor of more than 100 pounds of fentanyl sentenced to almost six years in prison. Ernesto Renteria of Chula Vista was sentenced in federal court today to 71 months in custody for distributing more than 100 pounds of deadly fentanyl plus fentanyl analogs, cocaine, and methamphetamine. According to his plea agreement in May 2021, Renteria stored large quantities of the federally controlled substances at his house in Chula Vista and was shipping them to distributors across the country via UPS. Oh, my Lord. (laughs) I know. And it's crazy to like hear these, to read this, because I'm like, wow, that's admittedly, I don't watch the local news. So maybe I'm missing this yeah. on local news, right? But to read this, I'm like, wow, this is really happening, like, just a, several miles from me. <laughs> you know right. I mean? This whole business he's got going on. Right. Go, it continues. In total, DEA agents seized from Renteria 49.1 kilograms, that's 108.2 pounds, of fentanyl, mm. 7 kilograms of cocaine, 4 kilograms of fentanyl analog, and 1.8 kilograms of methamphetamine. Agents also seized packaging materials and GPS tracking devices. 
this seizure of fentanyl is yet another example of drug cartels pushing, pushing, sorry, not pushing, (laughs) (laughs) pushing huge quantities of fentanyl into the San Diego community. On November 19th, 2021, authorities at the Otay Mesa port of entry made a record-breaking seizure of 17,584 pounds of methamphetamine and 388.93 pounds of fentanyl from a commercial trailer attempting to enter the U.S. What? That's ballsy, man. That's so much. But, like, I don't think that's uncommon either. Like, yeah, it's ballsy. But I don't think it's uncommon. DEA agents across the country have seized a record high of 12,000 pounds of fentanyl this year. This year as in 2021. So that's why I'm saying, like, I after reading this, that's why I'm like, I could tell my friends all these numbers and like the reality it's increased over the court over the pandemics 2019 to 2021 fentanyl overdoses have gone up and I Mm -hmm. think you know we can attribute that to isolation to you know things being shut down or whatever but clearly a cheaper cheaper additive to expensive drugs like heroin and um, oxycontin and things like that from a financial standpoint it just makes sense that the distributors who might be coming from Mexico would be pushing for that more, you know? Right. Right. So, so it's like real (sighs) drew drew. And I have talked about this for where it's like, when we take this information, sometimes there's always kind of like a scare tactic that might be pushed by government sources like the DEA or whatever. And on some level, I feel that, but I think Mm -hmm. the data does speak for itself there's been an increase and i think there is something to be concerned for here like i'm not i'm not going to be running through the seats or holding up a sign on the corner being like (laughs) uh you know like fentanyl is destroying our neighborhoods per se and i can see why some people would take that narrative but that also causes panic and that's not Mm -hmm. necessary i think it's like you gotta base it on what the data is giving um right but so far the data yourself on the facts right the data is saying that overdoses are on the climb so just proceed with caution right and i have one final one this one is titled pacific beach residents sentenced to 15 years for distributing fentanyl that caused two overdoses one of them fatal so pacific beach resident maya cole was sentenced in federal court today to 15 years in prison for selling fentanyl powder that caused the death of one man and sent another to the hospital mm-hmm. over Labor Day weekend in September of 2018. Wow. So this this sentencing didn't happen until this year. Oh, wow. Yeah. So this all these time. sentencings happened this year to mm. this story and one of the previous stories I read, they're being sentenced for crimes they committed in 2018. Got it. Um, the person who had an abundance of drugs that I just read about, that one was discovered this year and sentenced this year. Pretty sure. Yeah. Anyways, this Maya Cole story continues. Two other men, including a source of Cole's fentanyl, also fatally overdosed that weekend from the same batch of fentanyl powder, which was misrepresented as cocaine when it was sold to users, including the victims. Cole, a Cambodian national living illegally in San Diego. I don't know why that's relevant in the story, but they say it anyway. Um, Previously admitted, yeah, previously admitted that he purchased the fentanyl powder, believing it to be cocaine. However, Hmm. after he sampled the powder himself, he noticed it tasted different and then became woozy and nearly lost his balance from the effects of it. Despite his own troubling experience with the powder, Cole sold the powder to others and told them it was cocaine. Yikes. No bueno. Yeah. 
According to his plea agreement on September 7th, 2018, Cole met three individuals identified in court records as J.E., J.H., and L.S., and delivered Mm -hmm. to them one half gram of fentanyl powder, which he represented as cocaine. Mm. Several hours later, L.S. contacted Cole asking for help. Cole arrived to L.S. in J.H.'s apartment and found J.E. and J.H. non-responsive. When Cole realized authorities would be coming to the scene, he went back to his home and flushed his remaining fentanyl powder down the toilet. Right? So (laughs) so if, if you are also... You know, as as much as I said, don't do drugs with your dealer. Also, I wouldn't call them for help if you nope. yourself have purchased. And I'm I'm assuming you're you've purchased a small enough amount that you're going to be protected. Yeah, under the 911 Good Samaritan Act. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. if anything, I honestly would not call your dealer. I would just call 911 for yourself and get the help you need. Let's see. J.E. died from the fentanyl powder Cole sold to him. J.H. survived the ordeal after first responders administered Narcan. And then L.S. was admitted to the hospital the following day for lingering symptoms. A subsequent subsequent search of Cole's residence uncovered more than $5,000 in cash, scales, materials for operating a butane honey oil laboratory, uh, and other okay. indications of drug sales. Oh, so, right. He's starting so, the yeah. factory? <laughs> yeah, I don't know what butane honey oil is, but we can look that up That's going to be my homework. Uh, later. I'm curious. That's your next yeah. one. Yeah, that's our yeah. next episode, I guess. <laughs> So those are the three cases that I came across of fentanyl poison overdoses that had uh, repercussions, essentially, illegal repercussions. And that's pretty much it. It makes things so much more real when, at least for for me and Megan right now, because we live in San Diego, Mm -hmm. it just makes it real when it's literally happening like 10 minutes away from you. Right, right. Wow. Yeah, it's, uh, it's interesting. And there is one more thing. It's interesting to see the relationship between San Diego County Sheriff's Department and fentanyl, the fentanyl scare. I don't know if you're aware of this, Harini, but mm-hmm. there was a body cam footage of a San Diego officer who was testing fentanyl on site at a, a scene that they were called on, who was testing yeah. like, you know, something for fentanyl. And he ends up collapsing to the ground. And in the body cam footage, the other officer on hand is like, he's ODing. I I need to give him Narcan. So they do that. But what happened was with that body cam footage, the sheriff's department ended up editing it to be more of like a PSA and being Mm. like, hey, this is a problem. This this is an example of how strong fentanyl is, even when it's not even like snorted or injected or whatever. Right. And that actually got a ton of heat from toxicologists, from physicians, because they're mm. like, it's impossible to because the fentanyl he was handling was in like powder form. Mm. And the sheriff's department was kind of putting out this message that like even topically, you know, right. that proximity fentanyl is that deadly. And a lot of physicians and toxicologists disagreed with that. And there's like a whole San Diego UT series of like multiple articles talking about this video and pushback from like the medical community. But honestly, like I think, okay, like I'm not a medical professional, but from what I understand, if there is a small amount of powder residue that maybe gets into your mucous membrane when you breathe on accident or something, you Mm -hmm. could have an effect. And as Mm -hmm. we know, 
I didn't say this earlier, but the LD50 for fentanyl is about two milligrams. But as we know, in yeah. terms of toxins and poisons or drugs or whatever, the LD50 can be ultimately different depending on someone's exposure to drugs in their whole life, like their familiarity with it can depend on their their body weight, you know, their current health. Anything is a variable there. And yeah. so at first when I read this article, like blasting the sheriff's department for putting out this propaganda, like this fear tactic, fentanyl's yeah. dangerous. I, at first I was like, I bought into that. But then after a while I was like, hypothetically, there is a chance that when he was testing it, he might have breathed in like the most minuscule amount. And maybe this is a man who's never had any opioids or, you know, whatever in his right. system before. And it's a shock to the system. Like, right. Like who knows what effect that could have had. Plus... There is something going around. This is one of the critiques by the toxicologists and physicians. They're like, there is a growing fear and anxiety for um, around uh, first responders dealing with fentanyl mm -hmm. overdoses because they themselves are scared of being in that proximity to like mm. exposed fentanyl. But toxicologists, what they're saying is like, you know, don't add to that fear because they shouldn't have anything to worry about as long as it doesn't touch a mucosa membrane. Right. Or what have you, you should be fine handling it. But mm -hmm. at the end of the day, my thoughts are more, okay, let's say this cop did really get impacted by just the topical fentanyl or whatever. Who knows? My thing is like, well, I'm assuming he was wearing gloves. And the video, it doesn't show him wearing gloves. But I feel like it's it's kind of weird. I'll, I'll share it with you later. But yeah. maybe instead of just wearing gloves, let's put a mask on too. The, yeah. um, the Alabama BioClean... <laughs> company <laughs> yeah they they they're cool because like they had a whole list of what is it called pp ppe -E. yeah yeah like guidelines around handling fentanyl and they're like if you think there's like anything that could be in the air or whatever full hazmat sort of thing you know like, right. like wear all the protection so in my head i'm just like why don't we just beef up cops gear or drug testing gear if that's yeah. something that they're going to be put in a position of right so that was just one other thing that i found super fascinating about that san is, diego's relationship with fentanyl that is fascinating yeah. and just to play devil's advocate mm -hmm. i was gonna say if they did if it's already known with the, the uh, body cam video who's to say yeah. that this guy did just like look take a little like dip into that and that's why he just like conked out but i right. mean that's being very speculative obviously on my end right right because uh, you said there's no way he should be handling any of those kinds of things without gloves and if he was wearing yeah. gloves i think that's where all the toxicologists and physicians were like no way there's no way because right right topically how the heck is it gonna go through your gloves in that and then right. also have the effect of knocking you out right. that's a pretty big effect um, for whoever this person is but i will say to megan's point the ld50 being two milligrams that's very small and for mm -hmm. people just to give you guys an example or an idea of scale the typical prescription dosing for a patch like a fentanyl patch that you would get from your doctor ranges from anywhere from like 25 to 75 micrograms mm -hmm. so it's very very minuscule and yeah. even that is like, it's going to get the job done, you know? So to get right, two milligrams, right. like that, that sounds about right to me for an LD50. So that is it. That was my educative piece on Lovely. fentanyl. Loved it. Uh, and I keep saying fentanyl. I need to do a better job of saying fentanyl. <laughs> That's okay. I, yeah, I don't know. I replaced, I mixed the A and the Y in the word. So <laughs> anyway, 
let's go into our antidotes. Absolutely. And Megan, that was phenomenal job. I was going to say even on short notice, but in general, even if it wasn't on short notice, that was a really great episode. So thank you. Thank you. Um, yes, antidotes. My antidote, this old bitch over here is turning 28 <laughs> tomorrow. Um, another year around the sun. So that's exciting. Yep, my birthday is tomorrow. I don't yeah, feel yeah, any yeah. different as of yet. Maybe tomorrow I'll, I'll wake up and have sprouted unicorn horns or something else. And I'll let you guys know if that's anything different. But that's, as of right now, yeah. I'm on the path of normalcy. So that's I exciting. That. <laughs> I like to imagine sweet 16 or, or 15 is quinceanera or there's sweet 16 or 18. You're an adult. 21. You can drink <laughs> 28 you sprout unicorn horn yeah unicorn horn that would be so singular cool. yes. yes i would love that that is the new tradition that we will have yeah, yeah. 28 yeah. unicorn horn so and it's a yeah. it's actually a secret that all 28 year olds <laughs> and above know about yeah. and you don't mm-hmm. know about the unicorn yeah. horn until you turn 28 that's so like right once you turn yeah <laughs> Because then you all chop it off to remain yes. normal, but like right. no one speaks about it. So exactly. when I turn when I turn twenty eight, I'll. I mean, I will let you know horn. though. I will <laughs> let you know, and you. I'll let everyone else know because I will not chop it off. I refuse. Yeah. Get to keep it wear loud it proudly, and proud. <laughs> dude. But what if <laughs> what if the horn was not like a magical, gorgeous, white, sparkly <laughs> horn. It's just like a, a skin-covered nub. Oh, my God. That's so <laughs> disgusting. Okay, then we'll have to get rid of it. Yeah. I'm sorry. I'll tell you about it. But okay. I can't keep it. <sighs> I love that. That's This yeah. is my moneymaker, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Can't ruin it. She's, can't ruin it. She's, she's signaling to her face. Her face <laughs> is the moneymaker. Um, it makes yeah, me two cents on the hour. Not much, but it's something. <laughs> I, I, too, am equally excited for Harini's 28th birthday tomorrow. I uh, cannot wait to celebrate. We've been celebrating my birthday, and then we did a joint birthday party, and now it's her turn for her own birthday. I just it's, I love uh, celebrating. Lots of celebrations. Yeah. yeah. It's exciting time. But, uh, yeah, that's my yeah. antidote. So pass it off to you, right baby. Right on. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Uh, my antidote beyond hopefully getting to celebrate with you tomorrow night Mm, is mm -hmm. tonight as of this recording right after this i am leaving to go see joe coy at the pajanga arena and i am secretly hoping that he brings chelsea hamlet out me too because i'm more into her i think ultimately (laughs) i'm i like her comedy i'm a little more familiar with her comedy than joe coy but alas i'm excited to get some laughs in so that's what i'm doing dude that's such a great event to be going to and i fully agree like i hope chelsea's there for you and for me so i can hear about it and i (laughs) hope she like ups not upstages but i hope she like crashes his set and like throws some jokes in herself because that would be yes chef's kiss yes i do like her a lot i want to see her come out with her titties bared because she knows how to rock her big old dude (laughs) she has a beautiful beautiful set lovely I know she's she's great. They just they just sit so high. Okay, I'm sorry. I mean, but I'm a I fan. Like it. <laughs> I'm a fan. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Anyways, um, she's an inspiration to to all rebellious she women. She truly um, is. <laughs> I love it. Well, I hope you have the best time, Megan. And she on the flip side, y'all. So, Megan, please all take right. us on out. Don't risk it for that sneaky, sneaky fentanyl biscuit. Yes. <laughs> It's no Make good, sure guys. your biscuit biscuit flour isn't cut with fentanyl. Yes. 
do those tests you never know you yeah. never know all right guys all right. thanks for listening once again all right goodbye Poop. Bye. <laughs>